When the modern-day Orioles were in their infancy, I was a kid growing up in northwest Baltimore. Baseball and I shared a certain innocence back then. Players didn't make millions of dollars. In fact, a number of Orioles, including stars like Jim Palmer, Boog Powell, and Dave McNally, had to take jobs during the off-season to pay their rent. Palmer and McNally and several others worked as salesmen at my father's clothing store. Most of the players of that era rented apartments near Memorial Stadium. None lived in overgrown estates out in the horse country or in high-rises on Baltimore's downtown waterfront. Orioles then often resided in Baltimore year-round. The city was their home. They were full-time members of the Baltimore community, and the community considered them as their adopted sons, as members of the Baltimore family. In the earliest years during the 1950s, the Orioles weren't very good, but it didn't matter. We were just happy to have a team in Baltimore. The team might lose game after game, but hope soared every time the club signed a new bonus baby or eked out a win over the mighty Yankees. When four different Orioles pitchers hurled consecutive shutouts in 1957, we were on top of the world. When Hoyt Wilhelm no-hit the Yankees on a wet afternoon at Memorial Stadium, those few of us in the ballpark that day experienced baseball nirvana. And when Billy O'Dell was the most valuable player in the first Major League All-Star game ever played in Baltimore in 1958, the city could barely contain its pride. Since the Orioles never were a winner during the 1950s, the losses never really seemed that bitter and the victories they were able to cobble together, especially those, once again, over the hated and feared Yankees, were oh so sweet. It might be hard to imagine in today's world of sports as big business, but the Orioles and their players back then really were like members of the family, my family, and thousands of others throughout the city. Elderly grandmothers knew the names of second-string infielders on the team and doted over their images. The Orioles were an integral part of my life as I was going through my childhood. I fell asleep listening to night games on a transistor radio that I hid from my parents under my blanket. And if I didn't know whether the team had won or lost when I woke up in the morning, there was no ESPN or 11 o'clock sports in that era, I'd run outside in my pajamas to get the morning newspaper and tantalize myself, cautiously and painstakingly looking at the box score inning by inning, to find out whether they'd pulled a victory out of their caps. My brother David and I would ride two different Baltimore buses, transferring at Falls Road and 41st Street, to the stadium on 33rd Street to attend games. Parents had no fear back then of allowing their young children to travel throughout the city by themselves. If we didn't have tickets in advance, we could buy them for 75 cents. There was never a problem getting seats in the 1950s and even the 1960s and 70s. Games were never sold out. And David and I would relish the excitement of daring to sneak down into the best seats, which also were largely vacant. I saw scores of thrilling games in my youth, and probably even more insignificant and routine ones, details of which I can still remember as though they were played just yesterday. Every time I went to the stadium and saw its huge brick facade looming in front of me, a thrill raced through my body. Memorial Stadium was the temple of my youth.
In those days, there was no anger or venom directed at the ball club. Expectations were non-existent, but the possibilities for success and greatness that we concocted in our minds were vast. I'd listen to games or watch them on television in the library of our house, swinging a bat as I hung onto every pitch, fantasizing that I was the one standing in the batter's box for the Orioles. When Haywood Sullivan of the Red Sox hit a ninth-inning home run one day to snatch victory from the hometown boys, I angrily took a swipe at the chandelier in the library, knocking out a light or two or three. I wanted nothing more in life than for the Orioles to win. Even though as kids we felt a close bond with the players, we really didn't know much about them personally. We never would have suspected that they had personal peccadilloes or character flaws. Yet we still felt as though we knew them intimately.